Uh, welcome again to church uh, this morning. This is uh, talk number two in our series called Unpacking Forgiveness. And uh, there's a sermon outline you should have received this morning in the bulletin. Uh, and if you missed the first talk, uh, I encourage you to have a listen online. It's uh, fairly easy to access. Uh, I'm going to pray. Um, loving Father, thank you that we can gather this morning uh, to sing praises to you. Uh, to pray, uh, to fellowship with one another and to be fed and nurtured by your word. And Lord, we pray that by your spirit you do that now. Uh, Please grow us in Christ Jesus. Uh, Lead us in the way of repentance and faith. We ask all to your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, So if we're going to unpack forgiveness... It's really good for us to know what forgiveness is. Uh, Billy Graham, uh, I hope we all know who Billy Graham is. His own daughter wrote about the pain of trying to define forgiveness after her husband confessed infidelity. Uh, Shock horror. Uh, Friends and family counselled her to forgive him. But she asked, what did forgiveness really mean? What did it look like? What, what was forgiveness? I did not know, she writes. Everyone seemed to have a definition. Billy Graham's own daughter struggled with understanding forgiveness. And it's not easy, forgiveness, especially when it might involve deep wounds or abuse or betrayal. And so the goal is, uh, in the coming weeks, of course, is to make sure any definition of forgiveness is in line with biblical teaching, right? Because the Bible is one of our core values. So let me start with a true or false question. You ready? True or false? God expects believers to forgive others in the way that he forgave them. Great. That's a really good start. Um, We must forgive. We must define forgiveness between ourselves and other people the way God defines it in forgiving us. Now, uh, God's forgiveness for Christians is the blueprint for how he expects Christians to forgive. And we need to test that with scripture because that's what we do, isn't it? So Matthew 6 verse 12 In the Lord's Prayer that we heard uh, read out for us by Cynthia, the line, and forgive us our our debts as? Beautiful. There it is, that word as is powerful at that point, isn't it? Or Paul stressed this in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Or in Colossians 3, verse 13, he says something similar again. Bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So that's pretty plain. Full marks so far, we're doing well. So the first thing to understand then is uh, to know how God forgives us. Uh, Most of us 
tend to compare ourselves to other people. And comparing by that standard may not seem that hard or that bad. I mean, you might be thinking, if I'm going to compare myself to other people, well, come and meet my neighbours. Have you met them? They're really something. Uh, you should have heard my neighbours last night at one o'clock in the morning. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, all your workmates. Have you met my workmates? You might say that. Of course, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'll be left found wanting. Uh, have you met my teammates? Uh, we compare ourselves to other people. But we're not accountable to measure up to other people. We answer to a perfectly holy and just God. And we have all offended his standard in a way that we can never hope to repair through our own goodness or effort. Before God, we do not measure up. Every day, we just go and do what Adam and Eve did. We put ourselves above God. We think we know better. We do not fear God like Adam and Eve should. And we choose the path of sin. We all fall for it. I do it. You do it. And sin is no small thing. It's serious. Such that Matthew 5, for example, Jesus says, If your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and toss it. Better to lose one part of your body than to have the whole body thrown into hell. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. There he is. Don't you love the way he talks? Such is the seriousness of sin. The Bible teaches that there is a penalty for sin and that the penalty must be paid and the penalty is the wrath of God. It is everlasting hell. So how God forgives then becomes the most important truth that any human being ever considers. This has to be the most important talk in our series on unpacking forgiveness, possibly. We'll think about that as we work through it. So what is it like? Well, here's the first point. God's forgiveness is gracious, but it's not free. What? God's forgiveness is gracious, but it's not free. Here's a question. Do you think if I got hit by a bus, I'll go to heaven? If I go hit bus by a bus, hit by a bus, would I go to heaven? Someone's saying no at the back. Now I'm really worried. <laughs> you might say, oh, by all means, Adam, you're in. There's no question about it. If you died tonight, today, crossing the road, you'll be in heaven for sure. And then my follow-up question might be, but why? My wife and children will tell you that I'm a sinner. And that I'm far from perfect. Why do you think that God will forgive me? And then you might come back at me. And you might respond confidently. Well Adam you're a pastor. I mean if you're not going to heaven. Then we're all in trouble. And if a person answers like that. There's a good possibility you misunderstand the basis for biblical forgiveness. Why? Because the Bible teaches that we are forgiven and we are saved only by grace. 
Only by grace means that salvation rests entirely on the unmerited favour of God. Forgiveness is a gift that God graciously offers to us. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. We heard Peter read this, didn't we? And then it went on. And this is not your own doing. It is by the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. See, I could pastor for a million years and it would get me no closer to being forgiven by God because I am forgiven by grace. God's forgiveness to me is a gift of grace. Now, did God offer me this gift because he saw that I had a small seed of goodness or potential? Answer, no. Forgiveness is a gift motivated by the love of the one true God. So we have to grasp this verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our sins. So motivated by love, God graciously offers us the gift of forgiveness. Yes. Understand, though, here's the but, but understand that although salvation is offered as a gift, an undeserved gift, an unmerited gift, know that God bought that gift at an infinitely high price. Our salvation was purchased at the expense of the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's anything but free. 1 John 4 verse 10 says, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation again. What does it mean? It means the turning away of wrath by an offering, a sacrifice. And the only way we can be forgiven is for Christ to pay the penalty. Because he himself is the offering. He himself was the sacrifice. So forgiveness is not free. Christ suffered in our place. And so we can put this all together with a definition for grace that you might have heard before. Can you see it on the outline, in the sermon outline? If you can remember how to spell out grace, you can remember this definition. It's very easy, and I'm sure it's come up at Sunday school more than a few times. G-R-A-C-E, that's how you spell it, isn't it? it spells out God's riches at Christ's Expense. Have we heard that before? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. And so motivated by love, God offers forgiveness graciously. God wraps the present of forgiveness and gives it to anyone who will accept the gift. This is a gift purchased by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God offers the present of forgiveness to all people. 
You see God sitting on his throne, willing and ready and wanting, calling people, take it. But here's the next thing. Does it mean that all people everywhere are in fact forgiven? Here's the next question. Let me say it again. Does it mean that all people everywhere are forgiven? And the question, the answer to that question is emphatically no. Like any present, the gift of forgiveness must be opened. We receive the gift of forgiveness by turning to, in faith to our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's two aspects to this turning. We turn away from trusting in ourselves and the idea, and away from the idea that our goodness could ever be the basis of salvation. We need to turn away from sin. And the Bible calls this turning away repentance. We need to, to repent. And in turning away from ourselves, we turn instead to Christ. And we trust in him alone for salvation. The Bible calls this faith. In other places it's called believing or putting your trust in him. All those things. And so when I pray, lead us in the way of repentance and faith. Uh, that's what we're talking about. Jesus says in the beginning of Mark's gospel, he called out to people, repent and believe the good news. In Acts 20, verse 21, Paul said, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we must Turn to God in repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus. And so God's forgiveness is a package that he wraps up and he offers uh, to be opened. And the Bible teaches that the way that the package is opened is through repentance and faith. And so whilst God's love is unconditional, because while we're still sinners, Christ died for us, that's unconditional God's forgiveness, though, is something else. Because only those who repent and believe in Jesus are saved. It's a whole idea of being saved. This is what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who knew their need for forgiveness and still knows their need for forgiveness and has received it in Christ Jesus. And having received it, we delight in it and we live a life of continual turning to Christ. Here's the next thing. God's forgiveness is a commitment. Uh, Jeremiah 31 verse 34. God declares, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Here God grounds the new covenant on the better promise to forgive us. All that God promises is enfleshed in Christ. They are yes in him, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Which means that we're no longer condemned for our sin. In fact, we are now declared righteous. We are right with God. Uh, Romans 5, verse 1 says that since we've been justified, since we've been declared right through faith, we have peace with God. Every time Paul writes about grace and peace, 
he reminds us that God's forgiveness is a fulfilment of his promises and he reminds us that it is a commitment to the repentant. Here's the next thing. Forgiveness lays the groundwork for and begins the process of reconciliation. When God forgives us, not only are we declared righteous, but we begin a new relationship with him. Such that not only are we just forgiven, we are reconciled. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 has a bit to say about that. Um, here's the next thing. Forgiveness does not mean the elimination of all consequences. So it is true that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. That's Acts 16. Or we heard in the psalm, as far as the east from, is from the west, so far does God remove the transgressions of his children from them. Or Romans 8, we just heard, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Nevertheless, these truths do not teach that those forgiven by God face no consequences for sin. At this side of heaven, we continue to work through the consequences of our rebellion against God. One of the most famous examples of this involves David uh, and what he faced for his adultery rather, with Bathsheba and his subsequent attempts to cover up the sin through deceit and murder. We heard that read for us by Don. See, when God used the prophet Nathan to confront David, David realised the magnitude of his sin and he was truly repentant. He was sorry, wasn't he? And Nathan told David that God would forgive him for his sins. That was verse 13. We didn't get that far. Yet there were still consequences. And they were severe ones, weren't they? Nathan told David that there would be violence among his family in verse 10. And that the baby that Bathsheba had conceived would die. That's verse 14. Even after the death of the baby, David faced horrible consequences of ongoing violence in his family. So one son, Amon, raped David's daughter Tamar in chapter 13. Another son, Absalom, then killed Amon. That's later on in chapter 13. And later Absalom attempted to take over David's kingdom. You thought your, babe, your family had troubles. Forgiveness means that we're right with God, sure. But it does not mean that the reverberations of our wrongdoing simply disappear in this life. Is that God's punishment? No, because the punishment is the price or the penalty and in Christ that's been paid. Is it God's discipline? Probably, sure, why not? Sometimes our hardship is discipline. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 and 11 speaks to that. But if something is damaged and broken, it needs to be repaired. And sometimes when things are repaired, well, they're never the same, are they? Sometimes they're better, but certainly they're different. See, forgiveness doesn't mean that our problems disappear or our wounds but because God cares deeply about wrong relationships being made right, 
He calls us to forgive as he forgives, even at great cost. So now we come to our definition of forgiveness. Each of these aspects that we've worked through this morning, there in your outline, are aspects of God's forgiveness. And with them in mind, forgiveness can be defined in the following way. It's written out there for you so that you don't have to write it out. God's forgiveness is a commitment by the one true God to pardon graciously those who repent and believe in Jesus so that they are reconciled to him, although his commitment does not eliminate all consequences. That's a definition for you to take away this week and test um, and examine and consider and to pray about. But it's forgiveness that is gracious. It's a forgiveness that is an absolute commitment. It is a forgiveness that is costly and for that reason sounds conditional. And it's a forgiveness that lays the groundwork to reconciliation. But also uh, we acknowledge that not all consequences just magically disappear. And all this serves as a blueprint for how all forgiveness should take place. Now, our next question then must be, okay, Adam, how do we do that? How do we do this? As God does is the answer. And we're going to talk more about that next week, about the implications. But I want to finish with this question this morning. As you've thought about how God forgives, the question for us has to be, are you forgiven? Have you been forgiven by God? It may be that you're deciding whether or how to forgive someone, or perhaps you are wondering whether it will be ever be possible to be forgiven by another person. And they're interpersonal questions, aren't they? And they're important. And as I said, we'll try and tackle that next week. But what is infinitely more important for us to consider is whether or not you have been forgiven by God. Because that is first base. Here is the most important question anyone will ever ask you. Have you received the gift of God's forgiveness by turning from your sin in repentance to Christ in faith? And if you have any doubt about that, about whether or not God has truly forgiven you, you should not delay. You should come and see uh, one of your church leaders. There is seriously nothing more important than knowing and understand, understanding God's forgiveness. But equally for those who know it, for, for, for many of us, we sit here with confidence and assurance knowing that equally there's nothing better than knowing and delighting in God's forgiveness. That this really is the best thing in the world. That on account of God's forgiveness we have peace with God and that gives us joy and thanksgiving. It lifts our heads, our guilt is removed as the forgiven people of God. And if that is true, then the next thing I want to say is well, let's share it. If God's forgiveness is the best gift in the world, let us share this gift. Let us keep praying for those people uh, that, that you believe are presently lost to God, who do not know and understand his forgiveness uh, that's on the table before them. 
Let's keep praying uh, for our families and our friends in our Bible study groups, in our quiet times in the morning or before bed. Let's keep praying for those who desperately need to know the value of God's forgiveness, that they would receive it and they would uh, take great joy and delight and peace in the knowledge of God's love for them in Christ Jesus. Amen.